You're listening to the Registr Roundup, a weekly podcast about regulatory reporting news and views from your leading European trade repository team. Because this is financial services and anything could happen in the next 15 minutes, we're going to start with a disclaimer from our legal team. And to make it more fun, we've set it to some funky beats. This podcast is sponsored by Registr and features members of the Registr team offering their personal opinions. It is not intended to be taken as any form of legal, tax or other professional advice and there is no representation made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information within it, nor does it necessarily reflect the opinions of Registr as an organisation. Hello and welcome to the first Registr Weekly Roundup of Trade Repository News and Industry Chat with joining us from Luxembourg, John Kernan, Acting Chief Operations Officer of Registr in the UK and Head of Product for uh, Registr in Europe. Hi Andrew, hi listeners. And also joining us uh, from London is Nicholas Bruce, Head of Business Development for Registr. Hello, Andrew. Hello, everyone. I'm Andrew Walker. I'm a freelance writer and podcaster. I'm interested in technology, fintech and the data business. And hopefully John and Nick are going to help me get a handle on the world of regulatory reporting and digital transformation in B2B banking sector. Basically, I'm a newbie here. So if someone's going to say something stupid, it's probably going to be me. (laughs) It's all right. We won't include those bits. No idea. So, of course, we have, uh, I suppose if we kick off this first episode, uh, we've, we've got a very fast-moving situation unfolding uh, across the whole of Europe, well, the whole world, in fact, with uh, the coronavirus situation. And, of course, this is causing a huge amount of disruption for business operations at all levels across Europe, as well as, you know, uh, our private lives and our, our social lives as well. But before we get into that, and before we get into all the other disruptions that have been affecting the, uh, your industry for uh, some time from Brexit to SFTR and what have you. Um, let's just cover off this one. What should people expect from the next 10 minutes? John? Well, first of all, I've got to say, you know, I've known both you guys for a long time. And uh, if I imagined myself doing a podcast with you two, it would have been at 10 o'clock at night in a smoky bar in Prague somewhere discussing who recorded the best ever Bob Dylan cover. Um not discussing European financial regulation on a Friday morning in my living room in in Luxembourg. It was Jimi Hendrix, by the way, like a Rolling Stone. Um, But from the next 10 minutes or so, well, hopefully a bit of useful information, some interesting chat, hopefully not too off-piece too often. Um, And I guess if customers like this and we do more, uh, we'll start to incorporate features and guests in line with what people are saying they want to hear. Okay, and Nick, what what do you want to get out of the next 10 minutes? What do you want people to take away from today's cast? To John's first point, it's quite funny because I think from pretty much most of my life, people have actually said to me, you've got a face for radio. So maybe this is my (laughs) opportunity. Um, But I think I'd mirror with John. I mean, this is, for us, this is an experiment. It's the first time we've done something like this. And I think hopefully what we're... We're looking to do, as we said, there's a lot of things that are going on at the moment, and it's a great opportunity for us, I think, to hopefully to update people, to engage, but hopefully keep it um, not too heavy, to keep it quite light as well and keep it interesting. So, um, fingers crossed, let's see how we get on. 
Okay, now I'm I'm going to say, coming from the world outside, uh, sort of you know B two B banking systems and trade regulations, you know, keeping it light and not too heavy um, is is something you don't always associate with uh, trade repositories and you know transacting mm. with large volumes of data. <laughs> Before we get off, serendipity-wise, um, something that was trending in my LinkedIn feed uh, earlier this week and was picked up, actually, by LinkedIn's editors and pushed out to people who, who follow topics around finance and tech and that kind of stuff was a post from Phil Brown, who is the CEO of, of Clearstream Holdings, uh, I believe. So uh, Clearstream, obviously, is uh, a big part of the Deutsche Borsa family, same as you, same as uh, Registeer. And he'd written this really great piece about communications uh, this time and how actually we may have less contact, but that means we need to have more communication and better quality communications with clients and people. So that's that's something I, I want to start off with. How are you finding the uh, lockdown is affecting your lives? Because, of course, you, you work in business development and traveling and connecting with people, team management, all those things that need you to be there. So how are you getting by by not being there? Yeah, so uh, I, I saw that too. It's a great, great article by Phil. And just to point out, actually, m- most people obviously know Phil as the CEO of Clearstream Holdings, but he's actually the chairman of Registrar as well. And he's been a board member of Registrar since since the very inception of the company. So actually, um, you know, Phil Phil is very much part of Registrar. Um, as you say, he was talking about relationship management in the time of social distancing and. The main, I suppose I took three main points from it. One, one is that communication is more important than ever. Um, two is that it's really important to maintain the sense of team. And I think we'll come on to that a little bit later when we talk about practically what we're doing. But for me, actually, the most interesting point that I hadn't really considered before was that he, he, he then started talking about the humanization of talking to each other um, conducting meetings in casual clothes at home with dogs and kids running in and out of the shop, photos and books on the wall. And as I say, yeah, I hadn't really thought of it like that before, but I, I think that's a really positive way to, to look at this um, enforced situation. So all that said, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, we're not able to meet clients and we're um, not attending uh, conferences and the industry working groups, et cetera, et cetera. So we have been working on, if you like, an alternative communication strategy. And actually some of it was part of our existing strategy. So there's this, there's this podcast. Um, we have a strong community of followers on LinkedIn and have had for years now because we've been publishing thought leadership blogs um, through that channel. So that, that community has grown organically over, over a number of years. Um, this morning, in fact, we released our SFTI user training guide in a video format that people can consume at home. Um, we're going to have chapterized versions of that in English, French, German, and Spanish next week. We continue with technical communications to customers. And I guess, you know, the main message is, of course, it's not business as usual, but in some respects, it is business as usual because we are all still working. And the client service and relationship management teams are still here at the end of the phone to answer good old-fashioned phone and email queries now more than ever. So I think that's what I would say. Nick, I I want to ask you, so is it business as usual in the London office too? Um, Yes and no. Um, And I think when you, you first posted the question, 
God, you could you could probably go on forever talking about all the sort of the impact and the change. So is it business as usual? I think back to John's point, it's it's not because it's not usual. But does it mean that business carries on? Yeah, it absolutely does. I mean, it's strange. I think what this makes you realise more than anything else is actually at times of sort of significant change like this, how important it is to actually communicate. It's more important now and stay close to the clients, stay close to, you know, your colleagues as well. Uh, it's funny in that I can remember going back to, um, back in London, I think it was probably, I'm going to say five years ago, when you get older, you then look things up and someone tells you, oh, actually, that was 10 years ago because time flies. Um, but literally the transport system froze because we had probably about a centimetre of snow. And contingency plans just didn't work. They fell apart. You know, people then, they didn't have remote working set up. They didn't have the devices. People didn't have the bandwidth. And just to highlight, you weren't, you weren't working for us at that point, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, John, that's a very, very good point. I was working for a very large financial institution, but it, it certainly wasn't Regis. Um, but do you know what? I think what you find now is that with modern technology, it's incredible how you can stay connected. You know, this podcast is a great example of that. But, you know, with laptops, remote working now, it means you can work and you can still connect with your clients. And I think it's what's hammered home for me is, and it's, you know, how important it is to do that and how I've said to my team and stressed, make sure you're taking time out of your day to reach out to clients to keep that connectivity going. Um, and you know what? We're also talking about how we're looking forward to when we can actually all meet up again. And I can tell you what, John's going to have one hell of a bar bill that I'm going to ask him to sign off on. <laughs> I, I hate to bring it back to work, right? Because, you know, but I mean, we're going for the Sharp News Blast podcast here format. And um, I, I'm going to say, all right, fine. Let's turn to the SFTR situation because I, the big news, obviously, is it's been delayed. Now, uh, for those of you that don't know, obviously, SFTR is the Securities Financing Transaction Regulation uh, that, that's come in from the uh, European Securities and Markets Authority. And um, it's about promoting transparency in uh, transactions, in, in the financing of uh, complex securities instruments. Uh, all of that sounds very exciting, but it was a bit too exciting, wasn't it, before? Because it felt like it was getting rushed in, it was landing on everyone and no one was ready uh, out there in the client world. What, what's happening now? What's happened? Tell us about the delay. Tell us how people are responding to that. Uh, yeah, like Andrew, I... I think that's actually quite a good summary that you put together. Um, SFTR, so the live date for the first wave of SFTR was the 11th of April. Now, that's set in EU law, um, and all market participants, TRs, we've been working towards that date. And look, there's, there's been a lot of challenges around that anyway. And, you know, some of that is just around the sort of very tight timeframes that we've had to actually go to live. I mean, the final schemas for it were only um, announced and disclosed at the end of December. The final validation rules the beginning of January. So it's, it's, everyone's been operating to a tight development schedule. Now, obviously, when you're looking at operational readiness and you've got a date of the 11th of April and everyone is in their contingency environment, it puts a lot of strain on, on everyone. And, you know, and that's, that's across the board. It's market participants, it's us as a TR, and it's also the regulators. Because, 
you know, we're focusing on the BAU and really there's a lot of challenge around just delivering on the BAU, reacting to the market volatility, let alone, you know, delivering on a development plan in a working from home environment. And I think certainly when ESMA announced the delay of the first wave to the 13th of July, which coincides with the scheduled second wave, I think actually that was really well received by the market. I mean, it took a lot of stress out of the situation. Um, and certainly for us, it, it, it allowed sort of, I suppose, chance to sort of step back and breathe and actually hit the reset button and to look at what we were doing and to prioritise effectively as well around that. I agree with Nick. I think the timing of the specifications, uh, the release of specifications meant it was always going to be tight um, for those customers impacted by phase one. And the delay, I think, is, is, is universally welcomed. I guess, in a way, you could look at this situation and say it's worked exactly how it should have worked. You know, you have the TR community, you have ISLA and ICMA, um, you know, and um, lots of very well-informed people represented in those groups, you know, lobbying, making a very, very um, compelling case um, for a delay. And you have the regulator listening and, um, you know, taking action uh, relatively quickly and providing that relief and comfort to the market participants. So if anything, from, you know, from that situation, um, I, I think I take some comfort that, you know, things are working as they should be. So I'm going to, we've, we've got to start tying it up here. And I, I had one last question I really wanted to ask because, you know, do you ever think to yourself, when's the disruption going to stop? I mean, i got to say it, Brexit. So we're eight months away from causing a big split here between Registr in the UK and Registr in terms of the regulatory environments and how you're going to deal with things and the FCA and the ECB, etc. So this is complex, right? How are you dealing with all that uncertainty? I, the way I look at this, and obviously I, I know no better than anyone else who reads the newspaper, but you know we have a transition period and we have a transition period to facilitate negotiation. Now, clearly, that negotiation is not going to take place. Obviously, governments have got other priorities um, right now. And I see the most likely outcome being that the transition period will be extended. So, I mean, Brexit has been challenging for us, as it has been for everyone, because we keep working towards false deadlines or we keep working towards deadlines that change at the very last minute. So, you know, from a project management perspective, from a commercial perspective, that's that's all very challenging. Uh, at the moment, we're ready uh, to go live for January next year. Um, but as I say, you know, my own personal inclination would be that surely the transition period will get extended. Nick, what, I mean, you're based in the London office, but I mean, you work across Europe. So, I mean, what do you think? And there's almost a phrase when I look at Brexit, which is, mobilizing for inaction because that's what it feels like we're always mobilizing and then things keep getting deferred i mean i think to john's point it's very very hard to call in theory the transition period ends at the end of this year um but you can't see how practically that will happen so this would this is only a personal view i can't see any any other scenario other than the transition period being extended in the current circumstances but I wish I had a crystal ball. It's very, very hard to call. 
Now, sadly, that's the end of our first Registr podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to tie this up now and just say a big thank you to John Cannon, who's dialing in from Luxembourg. Thank you. Bye. And Nick Bruce, who's dialing in from London. Thank you, everyone. And I am Andrew Walker, and we will be back to talk more about market news and developments in the regulation space next week. And in the meantime, I hope all of you uh, keep listening, stay safe, and use your digital tools to reach out and connect with your teams, your friends, your families. And we'll see you again soon. Bye.